Good day. Good morning. It's always a joy to to come to church and and celebrate the goodness, the faithfulness of God. And uh, for those of us who are visiting, my my name is Fred, and uh, I'm glad to to bring the word of God this morning. How many of us are visiting Kerang this morning? Just a show of a hand wherever you are. Let me see those hands. Let's give them a big hand clap, please. Let's clap for this. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Glad you're around. And uh, feel free to to stay after the service. There'll be a cup of tea uh, to share with us. But also say when you go back, if you're heading back, please send our greetings back to your congregation, wherever you're heading. And if you're in Kerang, You've landed in Krang and you're looking for a place to worship. Please, you're most welcome and worship with us. These are lovely, friendly people with all the smiling faces. That's true. You know, my wife and I like to smile, not because that we've, everything is always right. But we've experienced the goodness of God. That even when you don't have something in your pocket, even when the storms are falling on you, when the hails are falling on you, in my house we've learned to smile because we've learned to understand the goodness of God. A friend of mine who lost his wife sometime back, he told me he could not have been singing that song for a long time. Until he came to understand the goodness of God. And I pray today, because I'll be talking about the goodness of God as part of the fruit of the Spirit. I pray that by the time you leave this place, that you'll have your smile back on your face. That you can smile, not because everything is okay, but because His goodness. His goodness. And before I pray, before I share this message, I want to say today congratulations to our very own Wendy. Wendy during the AGM last Sunday. Everybody was so overwhelmed to say, welcome Wendy as a member of Kerrang. What? Baptist Church, you guys are listening. So Wendy, I'd like you to stand up and uh, let's give Wendy a big hand clap, please. Just stand on your feet. And thank you so much, Wendy. I'd like us to pray for Wendy this morning as I bring the message. So welcome, Wendy. Lord, we thank you for Wendy this morning for, for thinking through and uh, making such a decision. And we thank you for our congregation uh, to receive Wendy as a member. And today we thank you that as Wendy begins this journey with us as a member, we pray for your faithfulness, for your love upon him, Father. Lord, may you surround with your presence, Lord. I pray for today's message as well. I pray that, Lord, may you guide us, may you lead us this morning. I pray for your Holy Spirit to speak through us as I bring your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, for those of us who are visiting, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit 
It's so important for us as Christians in our journey. Because I've learned in my own journey that people don't see the faith, people see the fruit. People don't see the commitment you made to Christ, whether it's 50 years ago, whether it's 100 years ago, whether it's just yesterday, or whether it's just like that thug who was at the cross of Jesus and said yes to Jesus on the cross at Calvary. People don't see that commitment. People see the fruit that is in you. So today, I want us to talk about as part of the fruit. Some people call them just fruits, whatever you call them. But I want us to think about flavors. I was thinking about flavors because some people just call them flavors of the fruit. Let's think about the fruit, the flavor of goodness as we shared this morning. So this book of uh, Galatians, we'll be looking at that, but also we'll be looking at, uh, so we're going to look at the Galatians 5, 22 to 23, but also we look at other scriptures in the Bible that will guide us. Galatians 5.22. And Paul in Galatians 5.22 outlines the fruit of the Spirit as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things may sound easy, but I can tell you they're not that easy. I'll tell people, you can smile, you can, sing about the, you can sing about the goodness of God. But when the storms come shaking, when things come wrestling you down, that time you enjoy the importance of the goodness of God. Has anyone ever told you has someone ever told you that you're not good enough? The people, people look at you and tell you in your face you're not good enough. And you get angry. But I've learned the goodness of God. I'm happy to smile and say thank you. I'm not good enough. Because he is good. He's good. I'm good enough, but it's good. I've randomly gone through and picked goodness. But a lot of theologians have grouped these flavors into three categories. One of the categories is love, peace, joy, which basically talks about our inner attitudes, joy, love, peace, here. And the other category talks about faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And these are part of the principles that guide us or guide us as a Christian contact to talk about our contact in the community in our journey. And the other category I'm talking about today is a category of goodness, kindness, and patience. And this one deals with the social relationships. In other words, these are relational qualities expressed to other people. When you interact with people, when people step on your toes, when you've gone to see your GP and there's a 20 people ahead of you and you're sitting and waiting, when you're driving to Swan Hill and the traffic jam is from Lake Charm all the way to Swan Hill, your patience. Your patience. When you've just said, yes, I do, to a marriage, and it takes another 10 years, or even never, for a baby to come. And everybody, including your parents, are telling you, when are we going to see a grandbaby? coming? When are we going to see someone walking? They don't even feel your pain. They don't see your frustration. They don't see your cry. They don't even see your tears. They're interested to see someone crawling on the floor. At night when people are crying, when people are sleeping, you're crying to God. You're saying, God, what about me? Your patience is being tested. But yet you have to stand out and sing about God's goodness. It's running after you. Goodness sometimes is carelessly applied to charming and physically attractive people in that entertainment, politics, athletics, merely because of their professional skill or the ability to elicit a sense of encouragement or admiration through their character, though their character may be exceedingly immoral. Have you ever seen those people? People are calling a hero, but they cannot name their own child after that hero because they know who they are. Everybody's celebrating your career. Everybody's celebrating your achievement, but they don't like your character. If that man walked into your home as a father and told you, I'm going to marry your daughter, you disown your own daughter. My wife and I were remembering yesterday, Friday, about Probably 20 years ago, we were in a church compound preparing to do a wedding. And a mom walked into a wedding venue and stopped the wedding because he didn't, she did not like the guy. And she stopped the wedding. What am I saying? That the fact that there are heroes in the society, the fact that celebs, they drive the best cars, they're bringing glory for the country and they're winning medals and medals and medals does not necessarily make them good people. 
the fact that you give thousands to the church projects, you give donations to UNICEF, you donate stuff, they don't make us good. But yet when you walk to any church, mostly, and you great tithe, and you're giving your, that much, most likely you end up sitting on the front bench where the pastor can see you. Because he knows that my projects this year are going to be fulfilled. It's true. It's happening in the churches. Maybe just me, I've seen those things. They're happening. So what defines good people? I was talking to another lady about Christ one day. Just sharing about the love of Christ. And the daughter walked to me and said, you know what, you don't have to reach out to my mom with the issues of Christianity. My mother is just a good person. My mom is a good person. And we've gone to so many funerals where we've told this was a good person. This was a good guy. It's true. None of us want to be a bad person in the society. Because it's a way the society looks at bad people. But sometimes the people that the society thinks are bad people, those are the people that God looks at them and says, this is my very own person. This is the person I want. This is the right guy. And the people we think, the who and who in the society, they are the people that God is saying that person, it would be easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than them entering heaven. Have you thought of a needle and a camel? Think about it. It's impossible for him or her to enter heaven. You know, goodness sometimes is carelessly applied. I think I've read that. In Proverbs at 130, the Bible says that charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman, and I say also a man, <laughs> not just women, women will kill me today, but a woman, but also men who fears the Lord, they shall be praised. If you want to be more biblically correct, we need to learn more about what the Bible means by goodness. In Matthew 19, Jesus had an encounter with a rich young man. And this is what the rich man asked. Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? What good thing shall I do? Jesus, listen what he said. Why do you call me good? No one. No one is good but one. 
and that is God. Then he went ahead and told him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give it to the poor. And you'll have the treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Friends, when it comes to goodness, when it comes to goodness, motive matters. If our giving to the society, our serving, the things we do to society that, that is going to make us be good people in society, then you are missing the point of Christ here. And this young, rich fellow, a giver, these are people who give to politicians in the society and other good, good projects in society. He thought that if you talk to Jesus, you can offer donation, even offer to build up the temple and inherit the kingdom. And Christ is saying it's not about what you give, but if you think it's about you to give, go and sell and give all of it, then come and follow me. If true giving is what qualifies us to be good people, then go and give everything you have and come and follow me. And he thought, wow. And I've always asked myself the same question. If Christ, I don't have much, but if, <laughs> if I had all that, and he asked me to, to give everything and, and sell, you know, and follow him, I think I need a year to be prayer and fasting. And I'll ask a number of friends to pray with me to make that decision. It's not a one day, it's not a one week prayer thinking about it and praying and my prayer partners praying about it. And people have tried and the Bible read about it. You've read in the Acts of somebody who sold the land and gave a half of it. Do you know the story? Who was that? Was he forced to give the, to sell the land? Was he forced? He saw everybody was giving, and he wanted also to be among the good people that are giving. He was just doing as a good thing to give, which is a good thing. Giving is good. Don't get me wrong today. I like to receive gifts, especially around Christmas time. <laughs> this season this season is good for gifts I mean, but I'm saying giving is not bad but when you give with the wrong motive for people to see for people to acknowledge when you give with the motive for earn something out of it then Christ is saying it's amount to nothing because the goodness of Christ you can never never buy it with anything his goodness is free The fruit of God, the fruit of God's spirit is more inward, touching on every thought, word, and action of the godly person. And this demands that motives be right before 
we call any action good. The motive has to be right. If your motive is to manipulate God, or if my motive is to manipulate God, it won't work for us. Because that's a different goodness. And this means that our central and all-influencing motive is loving God and regarding his will in all, this, in all things. It means that the good man is one in whom righteousness flows from inward devotion and love towards God. That's why our goodness to people, whether giving or serving, should not be the qualifications of goodness. But our commitment to God and his work of sanctification in our lives should produce true goodness of giving and serving. Should flow from that attitude. Our journey of faith in Christ cannot be complete Without these virtues. It's good to have faith. But faith alone is not enough. Our faith in Christ. Is the simple steps we take towards him. But these virtues keep us strong. In times of storms. David said that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But how many of us know that David was going through the valley and shadow of death? You've read Psalm 23. He says, even though I walk in the valley and the shadow of death. That you prepare a table in front of my friends, enemies. David is surrounded by enemies in a valley. They want to kill him. David is surrounded by people that are, can take his life anytime. David is surrounded by people that are armed. But he's saying here that your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And for many of us, when we are shaken even for a day, you're blaming God, you're pointing God. I, I, I thought you were there. I got God. And I'm looking at David's story. I'm asking myself that if I were David in this valley, can I sing of the goodness of God? Can we sing of the goodness of God? When you are going through the challenges, when you are going through the storms like David. I was looking at uh, a man named Peter. Peter's letter to the persecuted and scattered believers throughout Asia. And these are people that have been, had been persecuted. These are people that were tortured. These are people that, that left their homes and they're scattered across.
Entonces Pedro dice here To those who through the rushes of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Who are these people? Peter himself, if you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, he records the people that he's writing in the, in the, in the second Peter. And he says here, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of uh, Pondus, Galatia, Cambodocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Christ. to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. These are people that Peter, and you're going to see in the next chapter that Peter is talking about the goodness of God. You've lost your home. You've lost your place of worship. You've lost your community. You're scattered. But Peter is writing to this people to encourage him about the goodness of Christ about the goodness of Christ. Let's see what he's talking about there in, uh, in the next level. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for our godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through this, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And for this very reason, and this is a part I really want us to think about, he says for this very reason that make every effort Add to your faith. Add what? Goodness to your faith. Add goodness to your faith. You know, it's not something that, like I said, faith is good, but it's not enough. Faith is good, but the challenges come. When the storms come, you need goodness. You need kindness. You need patience. You need these things to help us to journey through the journey that you're going through. He says, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to your goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, add love. It's not easy, but it's possible. You know, I said you're coming to church is not just a ritual. The Bible study you attend is not just a ritual. The prayer you do is not just a prayer ritual. 
the devotions, the commitment you do that not reaches, you're adding to your faith each and every day. That every step we take as Christians, every journey we do, every book you buy in the bookshop is adding something to your faith. I want to encourage us today as Christians that faith alone is not enough. That Christ has, through his Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit that is growing in us, that is transforming our lives to be what he wants us to be. Because he knows that without this fruit in us, people will not be able to see. People cannot experience his love in us. People cannot experience his kindness. People cannot experience his peace. But when we take and receive this fruit in our lives. When people see the fruit of the Spirit in us, they can see the kindness of Christ in us. They can see the goodness of Christ in us. They can see the patience of Christ in us. They can see self-control. Even when people have stepped on your feet, you can self-control and say, God, I'm on the right, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know naturally men, you want to show that you are the man in the house. When things have hit up, you know, you want to prove you're the man. But I'm saying, you know, at this place, if all of us have the spirit of Christ in us, and this flavor of self-control is in me, I'll stand up and say, sorry, I was wrong. I was angry, I was upset, but I was wrong. Please forgive me. That is how people see and experience that fruit in us. Humility. And I pray that as a church of Christ, during these challenges times, that we stand up, up in the gap, take up our place, and allow the fruit of Christ to become alive in us. Christ is not looking for a dying fruit. Christ is not looking for a fruit that has overripen until now is rotting. Christ is not looking for a fruit that has been infected, like I said last time, by a fruit fly that is killing it slowly. Christ is looking for a fruit that is attractive. You know those fruits when you walk to the supermarket, you don't want to buy, but they're encouraging you to buy them. Have you seen those fruits? It's like, buy me, I'm here. He says from verse 8, Peter, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, listen, if you possess these qualities in an increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are so many people who know about Christ. Even the Bible says in James that even Satan, he knows about Christ and even he shakes, he trembles. Everybody knows about God. Everyone knows about Christ. Many people know about your God and my God. Even Muslims quote the Bible. They know about your God. Even Hindus. But the difference is that when this, this fruit is growing in us and these qualities are growing in us, we make a big difference in our society. 
that when the debates, arguments are happening, you stand in the gap and say, you know what, I stand for Christ. I stand for Christ. I want to make the difference. You know, if you look at the story of Peter, sometimes I, I, I look at Peter and I feel encouraged. If you brought Peter today and the Peter that was before and Peter that's writing that two different Peters. And that's why he's using his two names here, Simon Peter, because one of the names was not a good name. But he was given another name that meant who? The rock. And Christ declared that on you I'm going to build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail upon you. Because it's a different Peter. The Peter that was there was a racist. I'll call it racist. Black and white. He was discriminating people. He could never enter a home that was owned by a Gentile. That's the Peter. He could not eat with people that are not Jews. But this is a different Peter. He's writing to those people this letter and encouraging them. When I was reading about Peter, I thought about the first time we can I share it now? I didn't ask permission, but I'll talk about it. The first time we came to Kerang, we left, we left, um, we left Queensland. I think it was 6, 6 a.m. in the morning. We arrived in Kerang around 5 in the evening. And uh, we had people receive us. I think I had another pastor pick us from, another pastor picked me from uh, Melbourne, and dropped us to Bendigo, and a church member from here picked us from Bendigo and brought us to Kerang, and we were so tired, because we woke up at 6, 4 a.m. in the morning, so for us to catch up the 6, 6 a.m. flight to Brisbane, then Brisbane to, to, to Melbourne. And then we come to Kerang around 4-ish, 5. She was already staying in Kerang, and she says, tonight we're going to have dinner in Krang, because she was working, you know, I'm not able to cook. So we were so hungry, but we knew we were going to have dinner in Krang. And we walked to one of the restaurants. This is a true story. We walked to one of the restaurants the first night. And they refused to sell us food. It's a true story. We stood there at the counter. They looked at us. We tried to talk. Excuse me, nobody's talking to us. The boys are here, they can witness that. But the goodness of Christ, say the goodness of Christ, is in us. We never took it personal. We walked from that place, we walked to another shop, we bought chips and had it for dinner. And we enjoyed ourselves. We had fun. What I'm saying is that people, that we can label bad people, but we chose not to label them as bad people. We still go to that place to eat and they serve us now. But what I'm saying is that people we can label as bad people. That people can label as good people. But the goodness of Christ is different. 
the goodness of Christ is looking for people that have been isolated by the society. The goodness of Christ is looking for people that have been stuck in the scene and they have been told that you can never even go across here. The goodness of Christ is looking for people that they will never even cross to offer a sacrifice on the place where sacrifices were done. Those are the people that Christ is looking for with goodness and saying, you know, come, come because my goodness will make you clean. My goodness is going to make you a better person. My goodness is going to raise you up to be a different person. And friends, these things are happening in society. I've just shared with us a journey that God took us through. And uh, for a reason, I didn't think that we we're going to last in crank after that incident. I thought, wow, Krang, I've always had crank. Is a, you know, but I'm saying Krang has good people. I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm saying I'm here to say, you know what? Peter was never condemned. Peter is those people that refused to go to Cornelius' house in, 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 in Acts. God asked him to go and speak to Cornelius. He refused. And Christ brought different types of animals, reptiles, and told them, kill and eat these animals. Because for him, if Peter, to these people, those were not people. To Peter, these were animals. They were not human beings. And Christ said, you know what? Those are reptiles. Hey, kill them. And it's like, you know, in a culture, we don't eat this. He said, I've said, eat them. And sometimes we, we reduce the people that God has made to be not human beings. We reduce them to be different things. And Christ is inviting us to be in a place where you can actually eat what he's offered you. Christ is going to bring people in your presence. Christ is going to people people in your life that kind of upset you. People that are going to mix you up. People that are going to make you angry. But I'm praying that may that time when it comes that the goodness in us, the kindness that is in us, the patience, the joy that is living in us that rise up above the evils of the society and stand for Christ. As I finish, I'll say this. Peter is encouraging us. Peter is encouraging persecuted to make effort. And what are some of the efforts we can do today to cultivate our fruit? What are some of the things we can do today as a church to cultivate, that, to cultivate that goodness in us? What are some of the things that we can do to generate, to, to cultivate that kindness in us, to cultivate that patience in us, to cultivate that joy that has been suppressed by so much, a lot of stuff that has been pushed, that you can raise it up and, and let it shine in your life. And for some of us, it could be a sickness that is there, has robbed your joy. The fruit of Christ cannot enjoy. For some of us, it could be something someone told you that has robbed that fruit from you. That It could be peace. I'm saying today, if I listen to Peter today, he's saying, let's make an effort. Let's cultivate that and bring it out.
even though they are good people, they are good and bad individuals. Matthew 5, 45 says, though it is possible for Christians to do good works through everything created by God is good. You know, though God himself judges and pronounces the creation very good, Jesus declares that God alone is good. God, God's goodness, only God's goodness is absolute. Your goodness and mine will not survive the challenges. I want us to stand up and uh, and to ask Brooke to come and the team. If you stand on your feet, maybe you've been trusting your own goodness, your own kindness, your own self-control. Let's stand on our feet as we finish today. I want want to pray for you today. I want to pray the bruising, the hurt, the things that have removed your joy, the things that that are hurting the fruit of Christ to, to produce the fruit in our journey, that they may be defeated because Christ defeated that on the cross. And he's calling you and I to stand and say, you know what, I want to do everything I can to cultivate, to feed in, to work on this fruit to make it better for him. Father, thank you. And if you're one of those people, just raise your hands wherever you are. Don't, don't feel shy because the enemy will want you to shy away. Just lift your hands up and say, I've been hurt. I've been broken. I've been injured. My joy has been taken away. But I pray God today that I want that fruit to be cultivated in my life. I pray that fruit can, can grow again. That fruit that has been destroyed in me. I want it to grow back to where it's supposed to be. That people can experience the true love of Christ in me. People can experience the joy of Christ. Lord, I pray for those that have lifted their hands today. I pray, Father, may you minister to them. May you bring healing where there has been hurt. May you bring freedom where some of them have been stuck, Father. Lord, I declare your deliverance upon those people in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God. I declare your freedom in those places. And I pray today that as we walk through this door, Father, we are going to experience your goodness in our life. I pray for each and every person today. That you help us, Father, to make that effort in our journey with you, Father. Give us your peace. Give us your goodness. Give us your patience, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.